This is Leadership Letters, the podcast reflecting on and discussing all things leadership. I'm Lizzie Bentley Bowers and welcoming you to episode three in this second series of Leadership Letters, where as we record this, we're about a week into the 2020 Tokyo Olympics taking place, as we know, in 2021 and surrounded by inspiring sporting stories. We often look to leaders in sport for ideas and inspiration about leadership generally and look to our sporting heroes for stories of determination, endurance, performance and the power of teamwork. So there is tons to indulge in as the Olympics unfolds. And I love how we see at the Olympics that teamwork is just as relevant when it's an individual competing as a team. We hear so much in those post-event interviews um, about how it's the team behind the individual and the team behind the team that has led to the performance. And seeing it epitomised so beautifully in videos of families, friends and fellow club members in people's hometowns cheering them on from their sitting rooms and back gardens in the middle of the night. If you haven't had a little weep at one of those videos yet, then you haven't seen one of those videos yet, and I highly recommend that you do. As you know, sometimes on Leadership Letters we have a guest sharing a letter, and sometimes we share a letter written by a leader and take the opportunity to unpick it a bit. Last episode I actually recommended as a to-read recommendation Gareth Southgate's letter that he wrote to his squad just before the Euro 2020 Football Championships. And I felt like there wasn't quite enough time in that to unpick it as much as I would like to. So we're going to take a longer look at that letter today um, and share some things that I particularly love about it. And Gareth, if you're listening, please rest assured this doesn't mean you can't come on another episode of Leadership Letters. You would be very welcome. So let's dive straight in and hear the letter read by one of our producers, Michael. Dear England, it has been an extremely difficult year. Everyone in this country has been directly affected by isolation and loss. But we have also seen some countless examples of heroism and sacrifice. It's given us all a new understanding of the fragility of life and what really matters. When you think of the grand scheme of things, perhaps football doesn't seem so important. And what I want to speak about today is much bigger than football. As we go into this summer, I know that there will be a lot of emotion tied up in the Euros and in this England team. I can't possibly hope to speak for an entire country, but I would like to share a few things with you as we begin this journey. There's something I tell our players before every England game, and the reason that I repeat it is because I really believe it with all my heart. I tell them that when you go out there, in this shirt, you have the opportunity to produce moments that people will remember forever. You are part of an experience that lasts in the collective consciousness of our country. We saw that during Russia 2018, with the street parties, the barbecues, and with every drop of beer thrown into the air in celebration. When England play, it's not a few thousand, or even a few million, watching on subscription you are representing more than 50 million people. You remember where you were watching England games and who you were watching with and who you were at the time. The first England match I really remember watching was in the 1982 World Cup when I was 11. 
It was the first World Cup England had qualified for in my lifetime, and I was obsessed. I had the wall chart ready to fill in with every result, every goal scorer, every detail. I rushed home from school for England's opener against France to see Brian Robson score after just 27 seconds. To witness that as a young Manchester United supporting midfielder whose hero was Robson, well it's safe to say I was hooked. Later that same year I watched Luther Blissett get a hat-trick in a 9-0 win over Luxembourg. That specific result might have been forgotten by many, but it really stuck for me. Every game, no matter the opposition, has the potential to create a lifelong memory for an England fan somewhere. Why do we care so much? Like with our own memories of watching England, everyone has a different idea of what it actually means to be English, what pride means. For me, personally, my sense of identity and values is closely tied to my family, and particularly my granddad. He was a fierce patriot and a proud military man who served during World War II. The idea of representing Queen and country has always been important to me. We do pageantry so well in Britain, and growing up, things like the Queen's Silver Jubilee and royal weddings had an impact on me. Because of my granddad, I've always had an affinity for the military and service in the name of your country, though the consequence of my failure in representing England will never be as high as his. My granddad's values were instilled in me from a young age, and I couldn't help but think of him when I lined up to sing the national anthem before my first international caps. My belief is that everyone has that pride, and that includes the players. What is sometimes forgotten is just how much it means to the players. Players are fans too, after all. That's how it starts. It starts with kids sitting in front of TVs, with wall charts and heroes. Undoubtedly, we're in a different era now, where footballers aren't as accessible to fans as they once were. They don't ride the same bus home from games, or meet in the pub for a pint and a post-match analysis. But despite all the changes in modern football, what cannot be questioned about the current generation of England players is their pride in representing this country. This idea that some players don't know what it means to play for England, or don't care, has become something of a false narrative. You only need to see what I see when an under-15 comes into St George's Park for the first time, or when a senior player arrives on their first call-up. The pride for them, their families and their communities back home is huge. The journey to earn an England cap is an incredibly difficult one, regardless of background or circumstance. Only around 1,200 players have represented England at senior men's level, ever. It's a profound privilege. Don't forget many of our lads started out at football league clubs like Barnsley, MK Dons and Sheffield United. Their backgrounds are humble. For them to make it to this point as one of the chosen few in England's history, well it simply doesn't happen without pride. This is a special group, humble, proud and liberated in being their true selves. Our players are role models and beyond the confines of the pitch we must recognise the impact they can have on society. We must give them the confidence to stand up for their teammates and the things that matter to them as people. I have never believed that we should just stick to football. I know my voice carries weight, not because of who I am but because of the position that I hold. At home, I'm below the kids and the dogs in the pecking order, but publicly, I am the England men's football team manager. 
I have a responsibility to the wider community to use my voice, and so do the players. It's their duty to continue to interact with the public on matters such as equality, inclusivity and racial injustice, while using the power of their voices to help put debates on the table, raise awareness and educate. Social media has been a key resource in giving our players a platform and has been a positive tool in so many ways. In fact, I feel like this generation of England players is closer to the supporters than they have been for decades. Despite the polarisation we see in society, these lads are on the same wavelength as you on many issues. That said, there are times when my parental instincts kick in. I can't help it. After all, I'm old enough to be a father to most of my players. I see players scrolling on their phones straight after the final whistle and I think, hmm, is that a particularly good idea? Reading abusive comments on Twitter or Instagram is never going to help performance. There are genuine risks for our players online and I will always want to protect them, but I would never put rules on how or when they use their accounts while on England duty. I trust them and know they're mature enough to make their own decisions, to do what's right for their mental health and to keep being a force for good as we strive for a better society. The last 18 months have put added pressure on everyone I know. Venting that might have taken place while walking out of the stadium or in the pub has been transferred online. I get that. However, there are things I will never understand. Why would you tag someone in on a conversation that is abusive? Why would you choose to insult somebody for something as ridiculous as the colour of their skin? Why? Unfortunately, for those people that engage in that kind of behaviour, I have some bad news. You're on the losing side. It's clear to me that we are heading for a much more tolerant and understanding society, and I know our lads will be a big part of that. It might not feel like it at times, but it's true. The awareness around inequality and the discussions on race have gone to a different level in the last 12 months alone. I am confident that young kids of today will grow up baffled by old attitudes and ways of thinking. For many of that younger generation, your notion of Englishness is quite different from my own. I understand that too. I understand that on this island, we have a desire to protect our values and traditions as we should, but that shouldn't come at the expense of introspection and progress. Regardless of your upbringing and politics, what is clear is that we are an incredible nation relative to our size and population that has contributed so much to the art, science and sport. We do have a special identity, and that remains a powerful motivator. In a funny way, I see the same Englishness represented by the fans who protested against the Super League. We are independent thinkers. We speak out on the issues that matter to us, and we are proud of that. Of course, my players and I will be judged on winning matches. Only one team can win the Euros. We have never done it before, and we are desperate to do it for the first time. Believe me. But the reality is that the result is just a small part of it. When England play, there's much more at stake than that. It's about how we conduct ourselves on and off the pitch, how we bring people together, how we inspire and unite, how we create memories that last beyond the 90 minutes, that last beyond the summer, that last forever. I think about all the young kids who will be watching this summer, filling out their first wall charts. No matter what happens, I just hope that their parents teachers and club managers will turn to them and say, look, that's the way to represent your country. That's what England is about. That is what's possible. If we can do that, it will be a summer to be proud of. Yours, Gareth Southgate.
So there's tons of important and useful stuff for leaders and aspiring leaders in here. But there are three particular leadership reminders I'd love to focus on today. The first is how important pride is and how not only should we not apologise for being proud, it's a key feature of performance and resilience. I think many of us were directly or indirectly taught at a young age that pride is somehow boastful. Often the mixed message coming our way that we need to make sure we're proud of ourselves whilst not showing off. So when Gareth says humble proud, he is acknowledging the importance of both and that you absolutely can be both. It's not an either or. One does not diminish the other. It's an and. There are so many ways and in so many leadership contexts that we have talked about the power of and and we will continue to do so because it's such a simple and powerful tool for sitting with and working with complexity and for changing our perceptions, our thoughts and our actions and for saying you can have both. You can be humble and proud. They're both important. They both matter. You can have them both. The second moment from this letter I want to talk about is when Gareth says, I tell them that when you go out there in this shirt, you have the opportunity to produce moments that people will remember forever. You are part of an experience that lasts in the collective consciousness of our country. You remember where you were watching England games and who you were watching with and who you were at the time. For you as leaders, this is a reminder to take responsibility for your words and actions and their impact. And this is about those times when you are perhaps feeling less aware of them. Many times I've worked with future leaders and a CEO has either taken part in a Q&A or joined us at the start or the end. And somebody in the group has thanked that leader for something they said or did that left an impression on them. And quite often this has been either before that leader was in the position they're in now or at a time that probably seemed insignificant to them, but meant so much to the person who was listening and watching and learning from them. So it's that reminder to not only in the moments where we know we're on show, that we are, as leaders, on show all the time. And it takes work and it takes energy to stay aware of that. So the other thing this reminds me of as a leader is taking care not to underestimate how taking care of yourself and your energy is a crucial part of leadership that supports you in being present and responsible for your impact consistently. Even in the moments when you think no one is watching, they are. So this letter also acknowledges some fears. And unfortunately, Gareth was right to fear that amid the huge support, affection and respect for the way his players conducted themselves as they played and in terms of their incredible work and conduct off the pitch, he feared that they would also face abhorrent racist criticism. He was also right when he said, unfortunately for those people that engage in that kind of behaviour, I have some bad news, you're on the losing side. It's clear to me that we are heading for a much more tolerant and understanding society and I know our lads will be a big part of that. It might not feel like it at times, but it's true. The awareness around inequality and the discussions on race have gone to a different level in the last 12 months alone. And he says, I'm confident that young kids of today will grow up baffled by old attitudes and ways of thinking. Sadly, 
what happened in the wake of the final was the revealing that still there is so much work to be done. And every leader and future leader at every level has a part to play. Something I've been aware of as part of these important discussions is the leadership responsibility to go beyond intentions, beyond expectations, beyond actions and actively look for what you might be missing. What is it that you or others in your organisation, without even realising, are tolerating? And I can't remember exactly where I read these words, so I hope you'll forgive that I'm paraphrasing and not attributing them. But I read a great post calling on leaders to hold themselves and each other to account, doing their work by recognising that anything you or your organisation turns a blind eye to is something you might as well actively be doing. The need for leaders is, of course, to continue to be clear on what you expect and what you won't tolerate and act on that. But even more so, it's to dig deeper and find out whether there are things you are tolerating that you need to go towards and take action on those too. So is there something that, on reflection, you've tolerated? Is there an area that, on reflection, you could dig deeper into to be sure that, as a leader, you are both actively learning and contributing to change? This is the Leadership Letters podcast, a podcast reflecting on and discussing all things leadership. As we continue through what's a bit of an extended leadership letters lowdown this month, I'd like to shift from football to gymnastics and share another brilliant example of leadership from recent days that has come from Simone Biles, showing extraordinary strength in recognising that when it would have been easier to do what was expected of her, which would in fact have been incredibly dangerous, she did what was best for her and her team in stepping down from the Olympic gymnastics competition. Someone who has demonstrated so many incredible qualities within and beyond her sport already, now has the world having important conversations about prioritising mental health. And how wonderful to read her post responding to the messages she's received since withdrawing. She says, The outpouring of love and support I've received has made me realise I'm more than my accomplishments and gymnastics which I never truly believed before. In this, and so many other ways too, the agenda for leaders is not only what we do, but how we do it, and how leaders take responsibility for the well-being of the people working with us and for us, and that includes our own. So when leaders ensure that the people that look to them are clear that they as people matter more than the work they produce, That, in fact, is the very thing that strengthens organisations. That's the very thing that contributes to sustained progress and prosperity. So looping back round to what I said at the beginning, not only do I applaud Simone Biles for what she has done, I applaud the leaders around her that have created the conditions for her to be able to confidently do what is best for her. So that's it for this shorter summer sporting episode of leadership letters and if this is the first time you're listening thank you so much for joining us there is tons to get stuck into in our previous episodes with some great leaders and letters to download and listen back to i'm off 
to watch some more incredible sporting achievements from the comfort of my sofa. And we'll be back in September with more great guests, more letters and more to read, to watch and to listen to recommendations. In the meantime, do get in touch at thecausewaycoaching.com if there's someone you'd like to recommend as a guest or if you'd like to share your leadership letter. And please do hit a like and follow wherever you have downloaded this podcast from. I do hope that wherever you are, there's a bit of a summer break coming soon for you too. And I'll look forward to connecting with you again on Leadership Letters in September. Thanks for listening. See you soon.